everyone, and welcome to the Able Voices Podcast. I'm Dr. Rhoda Bernard, Founding Managing Director of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, and I am proud to present this podcast featuring disabled artists and arts educators. We are inviting artists with disabilities to be guest hosts for the Able Voices Podcast. The guest host for this episode is actor and musician Noah Britton. Noah Britton is a singer, songwriter, guitarist, clothing designer, performance artist, and comedian. In 2010, he co-founded the first comedy troupe composed of people with Asperger's syndrome, Asperger's Are Us, who have performed over 150 shows in 10 countries. In his spare time, he is a psychology professor and has worked directly with people on the autism spectrum since 2005. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Able Voices podcast. I'm Noah Britton. I'm the guest host for this episode, and I'm very, very happy uh, to present this podcast featuring uh, artists with disabilities. And today we have the incredible Glenn Maganzini from several bands around Boston over the years, G. Gordon Gritty being his solo project and Johnny and the Food Masters being his punk rock oldies cover band. Um, Glenn has been featured on uh, the Toucher and Rich radio show and had press written about him all over the world and has been a true force of nature inspiring people all over Boston for the last uh, 10 years at least. So welcome. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Noah, nice to see you and nice to hear you. Thanks for having me. That was quite a humbling introduction. Well, it's always a pleasure. Well, thank you. Um, so I guess uh, the first thing is, let's hear about your artist trajectory. When did you start making things in a creative context? Oof. This is, creatively, it didn't, I was a bit of a late bloomer because mm-hmm. I had always related to things more with numbers and lists and sequences black and white was always my favorite kind of stuff not thinking outside the box i really Mm -hmm. stuck within the lines i tried to follow all the rules and then so that was for all the way through high school and then Mm -hmm. once i got to college that's when i really started to hone in on my artistic abilities which I never knew I had I didn't even know what art really was because I always stay, try to stay away from it so this is of course you know something you and I have in common both being uh, on the autism spectrum and of course all that black and white thinking is a super common part of of growing up autistic I had a lot of that too mm-hmm um, but you always made music. You were always interested in music even before you got to college, right? Yeah. So I started out in hip hop rap arena when I when in high school. I started to rap with a friend of mine who also was on the spectrum, and this person was very shy, and they really liked to make beats, and I really liked to uh, rap so we combined forces at that time it was really just us and we posted things on myspace so i guess actually i know i often overlook this period of Mm -hmm. my journey but 
that was that really does count as something that shouldn't be yeah um i didn't even know about that yeah exactly i tend to yeah it's it's i don't know why i selectively forget that i think because it was such a small part of my hobbies in life but it was very mm-hmm. it was it was pretty important mhm and so after you got to college you felt sort of an expansion of your world and what made you decide you know i'm going to look at this in a real creative way instead of just trying to do the by the numbers uh fill in the blank stuff i think what happened was i was starting to go to a lot of shows that were a bit more experimental and i could see people doing it themselves and Mm-hmm. It was great to witness the fact that you didn't need to necessarily know what you were doing or kind of operate within the traditional musician uh, landscape in order to... Who was it who opened your eyes in this way? Probably the first uh, Jimmy Lee Lindsay Jr., who he really was mm. the... Was from Memphis, Tennessee. Was probably the one that he he did everything by himself solo a lot in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. He got started when he was young, so his journey was kind of similar to mine. And mm-hmm. I realized that I even if I tried to make music that sounded like his, I was never going mm-hmm. to be able to. So mm-hmm. it would end up being its own thing. Do you see mm-hmm. what I mean? So like you become totally. a cre- you become a unique personality by trying to like be like the people that inspired you, but in it all mm-hmm. it just ended up being sort of a unique thing to me and as I was like re-listening mm-hmm. to it, it just never felt I always was uncomfortable with kind of being lumped within the musician, hence like all the I'm not a musician, still not a musician stuff just because I would go and see other performers and listen to other music. I just be like, I, what I'm doing just doesn't really feel right to be included in this context. Not that it wasn't mm-hmm. actually music, but it just, the spirit of it felt beyond just whatever I was listening. So that's kind of what. Yeah. That's a really insightful way to, to phrase how you you live as an artist because what you do so well is you really really operate outside the box as an artist and again i i think there are people who are going to say what you do isn't music and it's you know they they don't really see it even the way that you do but i know and you know and the people who love your work know that you're you have a different goal I think, than all the bands that make music do, right? You know, that's not what you're interested in. Yeah, it seems, it often seems, like even, I wouldn't even consider myself, and even though I'm technically in a couple of bands, I wouldn't say I'm in any bands. Mm-hmm. If that, it's, if you're picking up what yeah, I'm putting totally. down there. It's very much like how Andy Kaufman always said, I'm not a comedian, I'm a song and dance man. Because in mm. his mind, comedy was, you know, the goal is to make people laugh, whereas he wanted to make people uncomfortable and entertain himself. And there's a very different way of looking at it. And I feel like your yeah. music, absolutely, the point isn't to make people have something that sounds good. You know, it's a very, very different goal. And it makes it so much more fun. Yes, like I can't imagine anyone actually listening, like 
when you say that you listen, whenever, like, for example, you just said to me the other day that you listened to a new song that I put online, mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't expect anyone to get past a few seconds just mm-hmm. because it feels so personal. It doesn't feel like it's meant for public consumption. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, it, it always blows my mind that people actually listen to it because I don't think it doesn't, if they don't listen to it, that would be that would seem to be the more normal quote unquote thing to do. But mm-hmm. I believe people that at least, you know, have an open mind and know what, you know, are excited to be a part of the journey. Those are the ones that are probably going to get something out of it. That's a beautiful way to look at it. And I think that's very true. One of uh, Glenn's bands, Johnny and the food masters, um, I just saw a few days ago and, They only do covers from the 50s, 60s, and occasionally the 70s or 80s. But they're just covered in noise, a lot of which is Glenn playing guitar. And Glenn, do you know what your guitar is going to sound like before you play any notes? No, I'm I'm pretty much reacting in real time to everything going on around me. So... Well, I guess what I mean is like before you press down on a string do you have a sense of what sound it's gonna make oh yeah generally like i know well that's interesting if it depends it's weird it's like yes in 100 percent, and then zero percent like i totally know all that it's gonna sound like and i also don't know any of it do you mean do you mean how generally it's going to be very noisy but the specific note you don't know no they're all yeah they're all they're all pretty much the same to me like okay come on like let's let's be for real they're all there's six of Mm -hmm. them there and that's why like Mm -hmm. sometimes i'll just throw the guitar on the ground and just let other people play or just play upside down left-handed there's mm-hmm. just trying to feel it out in different ways. Just the traditional kind of playing of it is pretty, you know, it's kind of boring. I'll leave that up for people like you. <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, in a good, in a good, either. in a good way. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I know what you mean, but no, it's true. Like Glenn is a great showman. You know, it's, it's very hard not to be captivated by Glenn's performance in any band, even if you don't want to listen to the, absolute cacophony that's happening and i want to talk about g gordon gritty as well because this is more your solo project but then you have a backing band that varies in size is that right yeah the backing band there's three people that have played for a while now maybe for like five or six years a consistent crew and then there's Mm -hmm. been additions and you know, if someone can't make it, that's fine. Like it's, it's really, it's mm-hmm. a loosey goosey kind of thing. It's not like if someone in the band can't make it, it won't go on situation. Does G Gordon get it gritty practice? So G Gordon gritty doesn't practice, but mm-hmm. we do jam the, the distinguishment must be made. I don't know if that's, is distinguish distinguishment a word? No, but that's okay. Everyone knows. Okay, what that's mean. fine. Yeah. yeah. So, you know what I'm saying. So, it's pretty much it's the way we do it is just to recreate the 
the way that I made my own albums, which was just layering instruments on top of each other. So it'll always start mm-hmm. with my vocals and guitar, and then mm-hmm. everyone else can sort of fill in the blanks how they please. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's yeah, yeah as opposed to like a yeah as, as opposed to like a practice where you would think if something was kind of off, I'd be like, hey guys, let's let's run through this one again. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've ever really okay. done that for the purpose of you know correcting for as a corrective measure or to um yeah kind of get so it so it's really like, spontaneous in, and it's it's very present and of the moment always certainly yeah exactly yeah. very of the moment do you do you practice your songs though and do you practice your parts when you're playing your songs like alone yeah so a lot of the songs i've been playing for years almost like a decade now i don't often i don't really mm-hmm. do too many new songs like occasionally mm-hmm. occasionally there might be some and there have mm-hmm. been over the years that i think you've taken a liking to in particular but as far as relearning songs you ever hear of the app cordify yeah yeah so i put some of i usually put old songs in there and they'll spit back what chords it should be and since i only know the basic chords i'll usually end up playing you know a variation of the original song and then just Mm kind of go with that so it'll never it it, yeah it's never going to be how it was in the beginning which right maybe sad but maybe it's happy too well no i think it's better it's more present you know like you take everything jam bands want and you actually do it in a way that appeals to me as someone who really <laughs> hates go. the concept of a groove you know and i think it like this this speaks to uh the next question which is about your experiences as a person with autism as an artist with autism i mean do you feel like this style of making art is specifically autistic yeah oh for sure yeah I that that so was too. definitely one yeah i i think so as well yeah you've pointed that out um and i've i definitely think the people that want to be involved typically are autistic mm-hmm. in some you know they're on the spectrum mm-hmm. because yeah, it's relatable and even just mm-hmm. people in general that kind of you, you know, it even ex- extends beyond the music sphere. A lot of the times, the people that you can kind of connect to and relate to, at least I've found, yeah. have been yeah. other people on the spectrum. Totally. You know, I, I looked around at the Johnny and the Foodmasters audience and I thought, this is everybody I know in Boston pretty much. And there's a lot of Aspies here. You yeah. Know, not a coincidence. You know, no, totally. Uh, yeah. There could, I, I'm sure there could be some more out there that. I know we got to bring the autistic underground out to more people. <laughs> yeah, because you know. I because I I've met I've met a fair number of of people where I think they could be converted. It just takes mm-hmm. maybe some cool experiences. I think you mm-hmm. you bring that out, and a lot of people with all the all of your work That's is fine. just bringing that. Um, you know, people people can relate to it that might not relate to you know, just your regular stuff. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's not entirely true, but 
you know. But no, I appreciate that. And same, I mean, you're such a great uniter of people, uh, regardless of who they are, but particularly people who really want to live in a world where there aren't rules uh, about what you can and can't do as an artist. And uh, so how many places have banned you? Do you know even? Yeah, there's been at least a handful that just, you know, it it just wasn't, if they didn't explicitly ban, it was more of like, you know, you're never going to go back there again. And like people mm-hmm, are gonna probably sure. keep tabs on that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we don't need to mention the names, but it's just. <laughs> what were some of the things that that you did that made this happen? I mean, just as a performer, like I want to give the audience a sense of what it is that you are doing on stage that would get you banned from a club, so they know how really exciting and unpredictable your shows are. The performance aspect of it is probably something that might. My- a lot of places might think is over the top. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm not afraid to go into the audience and start yep. playing, you know, and just sort of being on, lying on the ground, really doing anything other than standing still and all at the same time, just with loud noises and, you know, coming through and yeah. it's, yeah. yeah, it always boggles my mind. Cause it's like people, I think people, I would, if I was a spectator, I would, I would be like, oh, this is, you know, it might not be the usual, but I would think this could, this could be cool for our venue. This could be like a little different. Let's, let's change it up Mm -hmm. a bit. But yeah, yeah, there's been times where like, you know, 70, 50 people, place was packed, like a bar was packed with people. And then we'd get on and just you know people would leave a mass exodus but those Mm -hmm. but then there'd always be you know not everyone left is the main Mm -hmm. that's something that people could take away it wasn't everyone yeah you filter out the people who don't like it and then the people who like it are great exactly actually it's a great filtering mechanism it's a kind of a microcosm of what it is to have Asperger's and to socially interact. It filters yeah it prevents us from having to spend time together yeah totally um so yeah, definitely a couple other questions uh i want to also mention you talk about how you know your album first was i'm not a musician and the follow-up album was still not a musician and um what would yeah. you consider yourself as far as the genre i mean well you're not a musician so what would you say you you do well as an ex-bandmate said you're just a bleeping accountant Mm-hmm. I think that's a so, good way to phrase it because you are literally all, an accountant. Yeah, exactly. So I've always like, yeah. If that, I think that's mm-hmm. that's probably more of that's more of what I am than a mm-hmm. musician, certainly. Like, but of course, <laughs> that doesn't do you justice at all any more than <laughs> a musician does. I mean, you literally are an accountant. That's what you do, and you love it, and you're good at it. But of course, as an artist, as a performer what you do is really closer to, you know, just uh, pro wrestling in terms of how much of a spectacle it becomes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Just right. It's just entertainment. Would it, would that be mm-hmm. fair? I've, I've, real I've always liked that. Yeah. yeah just totally. entertainment. That's, that's totally. something that doesn't so, seem like it. Yeah. It's not limited to just the actual act of making music or performing. It's like entertainment. 
so do you know any you know a few chords like you could actually play a, a g or whatever on purpose yeah i know the yeah 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 no actually when i first the 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 funny thing about it is because i was so and i don't know if you could relate to this i never really got to talk to anyone about this in particular is that when i was first starting out i was very i kind of treated it like um you know very seriously i was looking up all the chord mm -hmm. charts i was looking up the tabs yeah. i was trying to yeah. follow along so much yeah, to everything same. that like in the early days i did pick up like quite a bit um mm -hmm. but then very after i struggled for like the first couple of years with trying to learn songs and it just wasn't it just wor wasn't working out i just I just immediately pulled the plug on that. But the it, it is interesting. Like, I kind of treated my early musicianship, so to speak, similarly to, you know, other endeavors that I would not think of as being artistic. Right. Just following yeah. the paint-by-number stuff, yeah. Yes, the paint-by-numbers. And then And when then I you failed, had the breakthrough, like, Jackson Pollock, right? Yes. Where you realize yeah, where you're it can just be like, chaos and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And that no matter what you do, like every single note will count as something. Mm -hmm. And then you there's like so many, you can just do whatever you want on top of that. And then from there, you're like, you're golden. So those first couple albums, which was, yeah, it's just all, all just all exactly like that. It's such a beautiful way to do it. Cause there's, there's the people who make really like serious planned controlled noise and you're the exact opposite of them you know you have as much in common with them as you do with maroon five or whatever <laughs> yeah so i had a couple other other questions about your specific work so first one is right. why did you record the song where you rap in spanish what made you decide to do that so that song was actually a re-recording i that song where I rapped in Spanish was that song when I was 15 with my friend Tommy. Why did you make that in the first place? Just to be like big pun or whatever? I did that in the first place because I was really into rap at that time. It was for mm. sure my favorite genre. Cool. And I really liked Translator. Mm, and okay. my, f my buddy who wrote the lyrics you know, had all, all of these lyrics about strong redemption arcs. Like, it was pretty intense. He was, like, a very devout Christian. Okay. Yet he always says he was a good boy gone bad. Okay. And I didn't really get it because, like, we never left the house. Mm. So it was always very um, confusing, like, how he actually went bad. Hmm. But I was yeah. intrigued by it. So I, I sort of... <laughs> Yeah, so I think I took you, his lyrics and then put, put them through Translator, and wow. that's how it came out to be kind of a Spanglish, um, mostly Spanish. You translated using, like, weak translation, somebody else who was trying to be something he was not, essentially. Yes. That, that's, <laughs> that's so interesting. And then the result is something yes, completely no, exactly. unique. And, like, this, this you know, because... <laughs> 
it's very hard not to laugh at some of the stuff you do on stage. Like when you pulled that song out, I was dying laughing with other people because it's like, where did this come from? Like in a million years, I would never imagine that Glenn would be rapping in yes. Spanish because you don't rap very much and you definitely have never spoke Spanish at all on stage. And For so sure. how much of what you do is intentionally getting that reaction versus just you don't even think about it and you're not concerned about whether it gets that kind of response. It, it gets into that weird territory where, yeah, it's, it's just, it's funny to, it's funny. Like let's, okay. let's just say it's, it's funny, but I, I don't know what's necessarily going to land. So okay, I, I can't say like, Oh, like I'm going to bust out these things. A lot of the times it's going to be spontaneous in that moment. I know that I have that song at my, because it's stuck in my brain. I'll never be able to forget it since the mm -hmm. time I said it. Like I, it, it's like okay. almost like something you memorize in school. Sure. But it's something, you know, is funny and you pull it out because you're like, this will work right now. This will be funny. This is something that I want to do right now, but I, it's interesting because I never, no one's ever talked about it or asked about it like you just did now like it's weird mm -hmm. i've performed that one so many times and no one's ever commented so it's always i've always been under the impression that it was just like you know it was just like all the other songs and didn't really it is in some ways but just it's unique in that you're not doing spanish or rap much otherwise and so that's the surprise <laughs> but i guess i mean is that is that something yeah. where you're consciously like okay this will be this will be funny and weird, or I guess if not, what is your impetus to decide to perform a particular song? Wow. Yeah, no, definitely. It's whatever, whatever I'm feeling in that, in that moment. And it's like some, in some, some of the shows there will be like, I will come to the band and be like, all right, guys, we're going to jam on all these new old ones that, you know, I wrote in 2013 that we never performed before. We're just going to do them. Mm -hmm. And there'll be a lot of the shows kind of there's there's always going to be something because you have to have that outlook. And I, I don't know if you can relate to this. Mm -hmm. Like even when you're performing, you always I always kind of have in my mind that somebody will care. Mm -hmm. Where somebody will be like super interested and geek out, create like mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. Sure, that's the best feeling when that happens. <laughs> yeah, that you know what I mean. So if you have yeah. that in mind, you you really feel like you can work with a lot with a broad palette. Mm, nice. That's a cool way to look at it. So, do you have a sense when you're doing stuff? You know, like when you walk outside with your guitar like leaving the building you know like obviously the people in the show aren't going to hear you when you're doing this like do you have a sense that like mm. i'm going i'm going to just sort of make it you know weird for them or is it more just like i don't want to be in this room i'm going to go outside yeah exactly like i, I kind of got sick of just performing inside and i have the wireless capabilities Mm -hmm. Or even if I don't, if I'm just, if I'm sort of like done with this, you oftentimes see me, I'll just pack up before the band has stopped playing mm -hmm. just because it takes me a long time to end. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I just, however I'm feeling, if I'm just sick of it all, I'll just mm -hmm. end or just kind of mm -hmm. like tell everyone, be like, stop. Or like, yep. you know, I kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Elvis Costello on and then SNL. The <laughs> There's yeah, no reason to exactly. do this song now. Yeah. 
because you really yeah. understand what you're doing and you believe in it in a way that a lot of people don't where they'll be like, ah, oh, this isn't working. I'm going to change it up. And that's not how you approach it at all. And I have a lot of respect for that. Yes. Everything, um, everything is done is done to the best it can be done. I think we're running out of time. So I want to ask you a couple oh, more quick questions. Um, what's next for you as an artist? What are you working on now? Yeah, so I don't work on new things, but I just, like, I do and I don't. I, I hate to say that. Like, I I never know what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. but the biggest thing now is I'm doing this project where I'm compiling on a global scale all of the, all punk music, all contemporary punk music. And it's, wow. it's, it's going to take me forever, like, but I'm really trying to connect everyone. Uh-huh. And like I started, like people can go to it right now. It's called neocities.com. Oh, mm-hmm. sorry. Neocities.org slash weird punk. Yep. Okay. So that, that's my big project. As far as my own stuff, people are just going to have to wait and see, really. It's, you I know, don't you see never anything know. on this website you just gave me. It's <laughs> neocities.org slash weirdpunk. Does this yeah. not exist? Oh, it's better. Ne- or else I've ne- done something wrong. Neocities? Like N-E-O cities? Yeah. Da- oh, it's weirdpunk.neocities.org. Oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. Good For to know. For all those who are following along. But yeah. So you're, yeah, because the other thing Glenn does amazingly is he really brings people together. And, you know, he just booked the Ramalama Ding Dong Fest, which he's done for a long time and is continuing to. And it always brings really interesting, diverse acts together and interesting, diverse audiences together who probably wouldn't get to meet if, except for this wonderful festival. And uh, yes. I want to ask one Thank more you, question Brad. before we run out of time. What advice would you give to young uh, autistic artists? Oh, so much advice. But if I have to keep it brief, yeah, a little short. Yeah, yeah, I would just, I would just say, just go for it. Don't care what anybody thinks. Whatever you do is perfect, <laughs> and to give it a try. Mm-hmm. Don't get too caught up in the numbers. Mm-hmm. I know it's hard or like, you know, this is just think of it as this is your time to shine outside of those other areas of your life where you're so dedicated to, you know, following what's right and, mm-hmm. you know, what what you ought to do. Think of Think of this artistic journey as something that you can totally go anywhere with and i really mean that that's beautiful and that's a perfect ending thank you so much glenn this has been really uh fascinating for me as someone who's known you for a long time and i hope uh for everybody else so thank you berkeley i appreciate it uh, yeah it was a pleasure is a production of the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education, led by me, Dr. Rhoda Bernard, the founding managing director. It is produced by Daniel Martinez del Campo. The intro music is by Kai Levin, and our closing song is by Sebastian Batista.
Kai and Sebastian are students in the arts education programs at the Berkeley Institute for Accessible Arts Education. If you would like to learn more about our work, find us online at berkeley.edu BIAAE or email us at BIAAE at berkeley, that's L-E-E, dot edu.